Hi, this is David Shoemaker, and I'd like to welcome you to Living Thelema. This month's segment is going to cover psychotherapy and the magical path. Now, as many of you know, I'm a clinical psychologist, and so this is kind of a natural topic for me. I knew I'd get to it at some point along the way. Um, and I must admit, I have some bias in this regard. I, I have strongly favorable uh, opinions about uh, the utility of psychotherapy as we progress in the magical work. But we don't have to look very hard into the writings of some of our esteemed predecessors, such as uh, Israel Regardi, Sora Merrill, and people like that, uh, to see that there's been a good bit of precedent for recommending psychotherapy as a prerequisite or as an adjunct to the magical path, and we'll talk more about those, those issues in a moment. Now, Alistair Crowley himself was aware, of course, of the trends in psychotherapy during his lifetime. However, we have to understand that his perspective on the, the nature and utility of psychotherapy was necessarily limited by those forms of therapy that were actually in existence during his lifetime, of course. Really, that amounts to classical psychoanalysis, Freudian psychoanalysis, and its offshoots, most prominently those of Carl Jung. Um, I won't go too much into the theory of this, but I think one of the interesting writings of Crowley's on this topic is the essay called An Improvement on Psychoanalysis, which was published most recently in The Revival of Magic, a collection of essays. And in this essay, he makes some interesting comments. He says that he feels that Jung had a theory that came closer to the essence of Thelema in one important sense, and that is that whereas Freud conceptualized the will of the individual as springing from the sex drive, Jung, according to Crowley, got it right in a sense that he conceptualized sex as arising from the will, so that the will was the primal mover there, and um, Crowley liked this, uh, understandably. That said, I think his familiarity with the work of Jung uh, really was, was mostly from Jung's earlier work, and uh, I haven't seen too much evidence that Crowley was aware of, of Jung's more mature writings on alchemy and uh, the more esoteric side of, of Jung's uh, thought. In any case, that's somewhat of an aside. I just thought it'd be interesting to note Crowley's opinions about those two schools of thought. Now, perhaps the most basic question and the most important question that we can ask about this whole topic is, why would we want to undergo psychotherapy as a preliminary or adjunct to the magical path? And I think there are really several good answers to this, and it depends on your particular situation. First of all, of course, you may have specific symptoms that need addressing. You, you may have substantial depression or anxiety issues. You may have uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. You may have panic attacks. You know, there, there are discrete symptoms that science has shown us very well how to treat concisely and effectively. And um, this is certainly a valid reason to seek out psychotherapy, just as you would go to a medical doctor for a medical condition. Now, aside from addressing specific symptom issues, um, there's a broad utility of psychotherapy in, in the sense of self-exploration and um, getting a view of your personal development in language and in sort of a culture outside of the magical culture that we, that we base ourselves in. 
obviously a lot of the magical work that we do, the the language we use, the again I'll use the word culture that we live in places a high value on self-exploration and self-understanding. And so it's no mystery that the work we do um, gets us to zero in on our own inner processes and that sort of thing. But sometimes we can get boxed into thinking of it in certain ways and, and um, having someone sit in the room with you who's not you and who is outside of your personal life, not entwined in, in, in interpersonal relationships of other kinds. Having that person sit with you and review with you your ups and downs, your strengths and weaknesses, your blind spots, and so on. Um, there's really no replacement for that. And even if you have a really strong, well-developed ability to introspect and to kind of self-analyze, it's still different to sit with someone to have their assistance um, in that task. So um, it's, it's really irreplaceable in that sense. Another factor here is, of course, this, the psychotherapy as I've been describing it, someone sitting in the room with you uh, working on these things. This is a tool. And why would you leave a tool unused? In your magical path, you will encounter obstacles that are deeply rooted in your own blind spots, that are deeply entrenched in your own strengths and weaknesses, your own natural inclinations, your own tendency to avoid things that disturb you in whatever way that might be. I'm you know, putting it simplistically. And here's a tool where someone can hold up a mirror to you in a way that, uh, that is entirely unique and can help you identify these blind spots and so on. And the key point here is that as you set out on the magical path, assuming you've chosen to do psychotherapy as a preliminary, you are front-loading your attainment process with a certain kind of self-knowledge that is going to, I think, very likely uh, make it easier when you hit those obstacles uh, to overcome them. Um, when you, you know, in, in Crowley's discussion of the AA work, uh, he makes it very clear that part of the whole point of having this gradual graded process is to allow each aspirant to uh, not only play to their strengths, but to be kind of forced to develop in areas that might not come as naturally to them. And I think therapy as a prerequisite, as I said, will kind of front load your process so that you are better equipped to face those less desirable areas in a magical sense when you come to them. Okay, so we've concluded that we're going to get psychotherapy. How do we do that? How do you find a therapist who's going to be a good match for you? Now, the most important thing here, clearly, is good research. You've got to call a number of people, float some questions past them, get to know a little bit about their approach, their therapeutic orientation, as we call it. Um, do not be afraid to insist on getting some questions answered in an initial phone call so you don't waste your time uh, with, with someone who's not going to be a good match for you. You want to ask what their theoretical orientation is, whether they're cognitive behavioral or Jungian or um, Freudian, you know, classically speaking, um, 
humanistic, they should be able to tell you pretty cogently how they approach things. Now, for our work, uh, on the exploratory side, you're probably going to want to look for someone who self-identifies as Jungian or transpersonal or humanistic. Um, in other words, they're going to have a more holistic view of the self and are probably more likely to be comfortable integrating spiritual topics into the, the therapy process and uh, be less, uh, I guess, conventionally judgmental of those things. You know, these are generalizations, but they're, they're likely to hold true to a good extent. Now, if you're approaching psychotherapy from the perspective of wanting to address specific symptoms, that may change the picture. For depression, anxiety, symptoms, those stress management, uh, that sort of thing, in, in terms of a short-term approach that is most likely to reduce your symptoms quickly, um, you probably want to seek out a cognitive behavioral therapist. They may not be the therapist you continue with for deeper work, but uh, then again, they might. But just keep in mind that which therapist you choose depends somewhat on what you're going there for. Now, when you're interviewing the therapist, either on the phone or in person, you'll want to ask them about their comfort level discussing spiritual themes and topics. You probably want to explain that you're approaching your spiritual and personal development in a non-mainstream religious tradition and that you may use language such as that of uh, ceremonial magic or of uh, you know talking about uh, conversations with, with angels and things like that. You want them to understand that you know that these things are going to come across as um, perhaps odd from a mainstream perspective. And if they hear you cogently talking about your path and these terms and things like that, it's going to be clear to them that you are um, grounded in this as, as uh, a spiritual path. And it's going to be much less likely to come across as something alarming to them from the perspective of psychopathology. This is something we have to be sensitive to, of course. Um, there are some therapists out there who simply are not going to, uh, to respond in um, a tolerant way to discussions of these sorts of things, and that's why you want to screen them out very early in the process before you waste any time with them. And this brings me to a topic which is uh, very commonly asked about when I'm doing a pastoral counseling workshop or uh, discussing the interface of psychology and magic in whatever setting. Um, people ask, what is the relationship between a visionary state or a, you know, a, a, a magical experience that might involve uh, conversation with uh, an entity of some kind? And what's the relationship between that and um, a psychotic state? And how do we differentiate that? How do we, in therapy, uh, convey that these are not uh, unhealthy experiences that we're having but are part of our spiritual work? And I think what you have to remember is that um, a diagnosable psychotic condition has a lot more going on than simply using certain terms or having certain beliefs. For example, if you go into your therapy session and you tell your therapist that you were meditating and you had an experience where you encountered an entity and you had a conversation with that entity and this gave you certain thoughts about 
your own progress and your own path and areas for change and growth, okay? On paper, that looks like potentially, oh, this person has a delusional belief about talking to to angels or demons or whatever. But any therapist worth their salt is going to recognize that this person is talking about this experience in a cogent way, in a way that integrates it with their external life. Um, and what they're not seeing is some of the hallmarks of a true psychotic disorder, which would be a disturbance in your affect and in your ability to interact with people and your ability to, uh, to lead a, a functional life in other ways, to think clearly, to have linear thoughts that you can convey. You know, all of those things that are really hallmarks of more, more severe pathology are not going to be there as you're talking about it in that way. So don't have too much fear that simply discussing your spiritual experiences in this light is going to be radically misconstrued, except by someone who's got a real um, intolerant or small-minded attitude toward it, and you will have screened that out, right, in, in the early process of talking to potential therapists. Unfortunately, it's a little bit harder to find therapists who are this open-minded in certain parts of the country or uh, of the world. Um, I'm lucky enough to be in a fairly progressive area where there is some uh, extensive precedent for, uh, for non-mainstream thought. So all the more reason to do some interviewing in advance and be careful about your choice and don't hesitate to stop going to therapy with someone who um, just isn't matching and isn't seeming receptive to your thoughts and your process. Another question I get asked frequently concerns how to talk about your initiatory process with a therapist without breaking oaths. Um, and while I understand the question, I think, frankly, a lot of times people are, are overthinking this a bit and um, getting gummed up in their own uh, worries about breaking oaths. I think it's quite possible, quite simple, actually, to translate what you are doing into language that is uh, completely safe in terms of not uh, betraying any, any obligations. You may have, you may be in an initiatory process at a certain degree in whatever order or group you're working in where you're doing certain practices because they're assigned to you and you've had results of import that you need to talk about with your therapist. Well, it's really not necessary to go into so much detail about it that you reveal anything you shouldn't. Um, for example, just to pull something out of a hat. Let's say you're in some group where they assign you to do the lesser ritual of the pentagram and it's disturbing you in some way. And you need to talk about that with your therapist. Well, you don't have to say, yeah, in my group, in this degree, we're supposed to do this pentagram ritual. And when I drew that one pentagram in the East, I got this really weird feeling. You don't have to go into that kind of level of detail. All you have to do is explain that in your spiritual practice, you have a cleansing and energizing ritual that you do. And, you know, in the course of doing it on a certain day, you, you had these feelings and you talk about those feelings. So you get what I'm saying that there's ways to cast these, um, experiences and these processes in terms that are uh, perfectly appropriate for public consumption. 
Another issue that comes up anytime we're looking for a physician or a, th- or a therapist of any kind uh, is money, naturally. And it's coming up now for most of us more so than ever. Um, if you are fortunate enough to have health insurance, that's the place to start, likely. Um, get a list of providers that uh, are in your area or convenient for you and on your insurance panel, and then uh, start calling them and interviewing them like I was describing. If you do not have insurance, there may be uh, public options available depending on where you are. This varies a lot from county to county, state to state, country to country, obviously. Also, there may be private practices that have sliding fee scales, and um, often if you explain a little bit about what you're looking for. There's a lot of therapists, believe me, most of you out there are going to be just the kind of clients that a lot of therapists want. You're going to be insightful, verbal, intelligent, uh, and therapists love that. So if you talk to them on the phone and you explain what you're looking for and uh, that you just have some financial constraints, a lot of therapists are going to be somewhat eager to, to take you on. Now, finally, I want to talk about the options within your spiritual community, within the Thelemic community, for counseling of various types. Most particularly within uh, OTO and EGC communities, we have a growing number of body masters and clergy who have been trained in pastoral counseling through the Psychology Guild's workshops, which I've been very privileged to be able to present to many of you. Your body masters, your clergy within the EGC are there for you as contact points to discuss uh, issues of concern to you. That's part of their job, part of our job. And um, while this isn't psychotherapy and shouldn't be construed as a replacement for getting uh, professional help, it's important to note that our community exists as a support for its members, and this is certainly one of the ways that, that we do that. Don't be afraid to approach your body master or clergy member. Uh, ask for a, a private conversation and, uh, and share a little bit. Part of what we're doing to train our body masters and clergy in this regard is to, uh, to help them know the difference between someone they can work with on a particular issue um, within the pastoral counseling context, and when it is a case where they really need to refer the person to an outside resource, which will often be the case because um, pastoral counseling is not psychotherapy. So keep in mind these resources that may be right on your doorstep. Well, that concludes my comments about psychotherapy and the magical path for now. Uh, I'm including a couple resources on the podcast blog and on livingthelema.com in the resources section that may be of use to you. The first is a link if you're interested in learning more about the pastoral counseling workshops or just to see a description of how we conceptualize pastoral counseling in the OTO and EGC context. I've got a link that's going to be uh, on the blog for that. And then also I'm going to put a link up there with a reading list, a suggested reading list that covers everything from some of the the theoretical underpinnings of psychotherapy to uh, how to find a therapist, all the way to uh, some self-help guides that uh, focus on, for example, cognitive behavioral 
uh, symptom reduction and, and that sort of thing. I want to point out two books in particular. One is Carl Sherman's book called How to Go to Therapy, which is uh, a good helpful guide in terms of finding a therapist. And also, although I really hate this title, The Feeling Good Handbook by David Burns, which is one of the most useful self-help guides to cognitive therapy for depression, anxiety, those sorts of symptoms. Um, I recommend this book to many of the clients I see, and I think you may find it very useful. Well, I want to thank you for listening uh, once more to Living Thelema and encourage you to please visit livingthelema.com and also to join us um, by becoming a, a fan of the Facebook page, Living Thelema. As always, please feel free to email me with questions or comments, suggestions for future segments. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to talking to you next time.